Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Moss, the official podcast of Somos Moss NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Bedoff. Joining me this evening, that is not Earl Nieto to my left. That is, of course, the one, the only Harry Austin, co-host of SATX Soccer, co-host of Texas Spring of Fire, San Antonio fan. Harry, how are you? It's been a while since we've had you on the show uh, you and I were texting a little bit over the weekend. Uh, San Antonio had a bit of an interesting match. So uh, first, I mean, let's get right to it. How are you? How have you been? Uh, San Antonio's looking uh, like they might be on the verge of a deep playoff run, in my opinion, anyway. We'll see on the deep playoff run. Uh, but um, I'm 2-2 two and two in my fantasy football league, unlike Earl, who's 0-4. <laughs> so that's probably why I got the call, Earl. Maybe, maybe get a win and then you can come back. But, you know. Uh, hope all is well with Earl and uh, uh, Jacob, uh, Team Jacob in the house. So, you know, we got to have that what, once a month, once a quarter, you know, along those lines until uh, Jacob returns and uh, for that here. But uh, it's it's the season in isn't like last year's where everything was going uh, great for San Antonio FC. Uh, it's been a struggle, uh, which I think you kind of expect uh, for a defending champion. Uh, for that here, it's there's a reason why you don't repeat very often. So, yeah, yeah, we talked early in the season, and San Antonio was my favorite coming in. Obviously, you know, you guys, you've won one of the last five. Uh, really interesting match over the weekend against Oakland. Uh, mm-hmm. t- talk to me a little bit about this because, like I said, you and I were texting on Saturday. I, of course, was out in the lab <laughs> watching New Mexico United. And, you know, obviously we're doing scoreboard watching at this point in the season. You know, everyone's kind of looking to see what's going on. We were hoping for an Oakland Roots loss to, to help our cause heading into the playoff run. But Santa, uh, Oakland jumped out to a pretty quick lead, uh, two Nine. goals under 10 minutes. Nine and, uh, yeah, it looked to be pretty uh, about 90 seconds in between the goals of, uh, from what I saw. I mean, and, and the text that you sent me said that, uh, San Antonio just didn't get off the plane, but you guys made a turnaround there and, and managed to pull out a draw. So talk to it, talk to me a little bit about what happened early on and then the change that San Antonio made there to pull out the point. So the first goal from Oakland was a good goal. Uh, Johnny Rodriguez had, you know, scored the goal. Um, if, if you probably look at it, there was probably a little bit of defensive laps by San Antonio FC but give full credit to, uh, you know, Johnny Ruggis and, and the Oakland Roots on getting on the board early, which is what you need to do with San Antonio. They do not play historically well from behind. And the only reason why it was 90 seconds is because of the celebration, because San Antonio kicked it from the mid-cycle, kicked it back, and Rita Zahir uh, didn't release the ball soon enough. It got uh, blocked in uh, the second goal from... Uh, the roots was basically off of that air where, you know, how many times have you seen a team just kick it back and then, you know, you know, for San Antonio, kick it back over the top this time they held on and, and the roots defense, you know, blocked it and got an easy score. And, you know, 10 minutes in basically they, they got, they got the, they got the two Oh lead uh, stayed that way till half San Antonio kind of settled into the game um, for that here. And then in the, uh, what was it? Why isn't this moving here? In the, right after halftime, uh, 55th minute, uh, minute uh, Santiago Patino 
Um, got a got a good header, uh, uh, you know, to to bring it back into one, and then at ninety plus five, uh, a kick, you know, kick from uh, our goalkeeper uh, got headed to Dylan, who uh, headed it to Tani, and uh, they were able to get a last second draw, you could kind of say, and. As a San Antonio fan, there was calls for a PK right at the end uh, with that, with the tackle from behind, but, uh, and, you know, on, on uh, Jorge Hernandez. But uh, I think upon further review, most of us are, you know, understand, hey, it wasn't, you know, the, the defender got ball, um, good tackle. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Jordan Fire got a red card because, you know, right after that, the referee blew the whistle. And by the turn, by the time he turned around, the uh, far was in his face, so he got a red card. So we'll see if that stands. Because to me, uh, he blew the whistle; game was over. Far has the opportunity to run onto the pitch, so it can't be because of that. Now, did Jordan Far say something? Maybe he shouldn't have said. That's where we'll see. But even for dissent, a lot of times it's a yellow card, unless you you know you say one of the no-no words. But um, we'll see. Um, but you know, for San Antonio FC going into Oakland. It's always a close match with Oakland, just with the type of matches that they play. You know, it's a physical mm-hmm. match. And of course, with San Antonio, they typically play a little bit physical and, and on that line. So, uh, but I thought it was a, a, a good match. Um, you know, the first half was good, I think, for San Antonio FC. Uh, they probably feel like they gave the match away uh, for that here, you know, with the two errors in the first half that they that they control uh for that here but you got to give all credit to oakland they forced the issue and you know how many times has san antonio done that where they force the issue on the other team and create the mistakes and you know that's what good teams do so portland's facing or not portland uh oakland's facing for the playoffs and san antonio's trying to hang in there for the first seat in the west but i think most of realistically if you look at the schedule Sacramento has to be the favorite to uh, to be able to, to lock in that number one seed from the West. Yeah, Sacramento has really come on here, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, so it, it, I'd be hard pressed to to bet against them picking up that one seed. But I mean, even with that roster that they have, I mean, you guys have you know you guys have Orange County and Indy Eleven, both of which I think are highly winnable games for for San Antonio. Uh, and then Rat Republic has RGV and Miami. So I, yeah, I are you, you know, the, the, there's no debate about it. that's the easier of the two schedules. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't pass Sacramento to slip. I mean, they have, yeah. I mean, obviously they slipped against us, you know, uh, about two months ago. And I think they, they slipped up a little bit against uh, switchbacks here, uh, switchbacks here a couple weeks ago. But yeah, I mean, I was curious about that Jordan Farr card because obviously we didn't see it. Uh, we didn't see it live, at least not from my view. Initially, it said violent conduct. But it looks like they've gone back and amended that on the USL Championship website to say foul and abusive language. So, um, so, so what happened is another SAFC player touched the referee. And I think the referee initially thought it was far, um, but far didn't touch him. And that's why I said he had to have said something, but from everything I know about Jordan far, he's not one that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say the extremely bad words and I'm not saying that he won't or he can't, mm-hmm. but generally his, his personality is not that way. Now, do I think he said something to the referee? Yes. 
question is, was it was it red card worthy? You know, that's where we'll have to come through. What, probably tomorrow on the news and notes uh, that they'll typically do on Wednesdays to see if that red card stands. Even if it does, doesn't really impact San Antonio because they're going with Marsman uh, to get his five games in, you know, which is a whole separate you know discussion mm-hmm. uh, for that. That you know, I don't really want to get into because. I don't have an answer on why we're doing that, but uh, you know, and you guys are kind of doing something similar where you guys brought in a late season goalkeeper as well. You know, over, I think your starter was pretty good. What Tambacus, right? Well, um, yeah. Alex has a broken hand though. Oh, is it? Oh, cause that was an injury. Ours is an injury related. Yeah. Ours is that, Hey, there was an MLS quality goalkeeper that's sitting on the sitting there. Hey, we can bring him in even though we have what top five, top, Mm-hmm. six, seven goalkeeper, depending on where you put Jordan Farr. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's, it's an I've, interesting decision. Yeah, I've got Farr in my top five. You know, I, I really think he's one of the top keepers in the, in the league. Um, <coughs> and it's not even close. I mean, you, you go look at, you know, you throw in that top five, and I don't think there's anyone, I don't think there's anyone else in the West that remotely come close to them. I mean, you could argue, uh, you know, I mean, Vitiello has been okay, but I mean, we put three past him. Um, but it's, I mean, I mean, yeah, really, you're looking at you're looking at Pittsburgh, Tampa, New City. You're looking at you guys. You know, uh, so really but big difference between the top, those the top four. You know, but. yeah. But it, it's a decision they made, and, and Marsman's a quality goalkeeper, so it's 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 an interesting decision. Um, we'll see how it works out because you know, let's be honest for San Antonio, it's about the playoff run. Um, mm-hmm. at this point, whether they finish first or second, which is most likely will where they'll finish unless you know, you know, San Diego goes on a goes on a uh, goes on a run because they have they can get 59 points. We're at 55, so they'd have to pretty much go max uh, with their with their three remaining matches. But it, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it is, but. For New Mexico, you were there. Um, it was a win that felt probably felt great, but yet you look at the you know being down to nine men, and you know you got to kind of question, you know, how much did that? How much does that win and those two red cards impact going forward? Yeah, some really good questions, and uh, I really can't wait to dive into those real quick. Andres Trujillo over in the chat owner and president of the New Mexico runners. Andres, how are you doing this evening? Glad you're here, buddy. Uh, Josh Gonzalez, what did I say last week? We fight for 90 at home. We held off loose city at two nil with nine men. That game felt good. And, and absolutely. You know, you, you look at that game and, you know, Josh, you were here in the show last week. Harry, you were what you were hanging out watching. And uh, neither Earl or I felt good about this game. <laughs> neither you know, <laughs> obviously yeah, you didn't either. I mean, you know, Loose City is one of those teams. They're a perennial favorite coming out of the East. And, you know, looking at this, the only saving grace coming in is that Loose City hasn't been great on the road this season. Now, we haven't necessarily been great at the lab, but you watch that game on Saturday, and the first 10 minutes were kind of, you know, ho-hum. No one really did a whole lot of anything. No one really kind of, you know, took the took the match by the scruff of the neck and said, hey, we're going to you know, we're gonna run away with this. And then, you know, you go back and you look at it, and you know you get the early goal from from Harry Swartz off of a I mean really kind of a a fluky bounce. It wasn't really a mm-hmm. pass from Schneider Borgelin. Like he kind of taps it over and somehow gets to Harry, and it takes a it does take a deflection on its way into the goal. 
But I mean, you know, we were, I was up in the press box. We're, like, we're, we're going to take goals. However we can get them. At this point. <laughs> you know, we've had, we've had such a problem finishing this year outside of a stretch of, you know, five, to seven matches after coach Quill first came in where we were scoring in bunches. But you look at the play of our forwards all season long, and it just hasn't been there. It doesn't matter who we've stuck up front other than Daniel Bruce or Armando Moreno, and the, the play hasn't been there. You bring in Schneider Borges and the guy who played MLS Next Pro last season mm-hmm. for Inter-Miami 2, and he hasn't done a whole lot. And there was a quote that Coach Quill gave in the post game saying that this is the physical league, that he's having to learn how to mature and play in this type of league. Now, Mm -hmm. we don't talk a lot about MLS Next Pro. And we talked about all the two teams leaving and talking about how that's going to affect development of players. Now, I don't know how much Next Pro you watch, but is there really that big of a difference where a guy like Schneider Borson, who scored, I think it was like 22 goals for Miami 2, and Next Pro has to come in and adjust the level of USL championship? I think there is. You think number so? one, it's a yeah, it's number one, it's a D three league. Um mm-hmm. before that here. But two, how many times have we seen with the MLS two teams here when they were in USL championship that it's their goal is still development. It's not mm-hmm. about winning. And we saw that last year. We had a, a, a Ford that was loaned in from Orlando City. Um, tops, you know, very good scoring wise and struggled, uh, you know, here in San Antonio. And some of that you got to kind of think maybe it's the system, but it's a different, it's a different level between D2 and, and D3. Um, and especially MLS Next Pro. And, and to be fair to them, this is what year two, and they're still growing, mm-hmm. uh, along those lines here. But to me, I do think it's, you know, because MLS Next Pro, you're probably looking what 17, 18, 19, 22, 23 ish. Yeah. Where, you know, you look at USL, you know, you've, you're probably looking 26, 27, 28 average, uh, you know, f- you know, for the average age. And uh, so to me, there is, there, there is that physicality. And, you know, let's be honest with you, it's, it's, it's a different structure fan wise, especially in New Mexico where you guys have the great fan support and um, you know, but uh, to me, I do think there is a difference and that's why um, that's why I like on Texas ring of fire. I've, I've, I've criticized Austin FC a little bit just because if you've got a fringe MLS player, that's, you know, that can get some minutes, but it's really not getting a lot of minutes loan out those young kids to a USL championship team as opposed to an MLS next pro, because that's the level that they need in order to be able to uh, step up. Let's look at Sam and dinner and, you know, spent last year in San Antonio when the title uh, came back to San Antonio at the start of the season, got the minutes he needed and, and has helped St. Louis FC win the West uh, in their expansion year in, in MLS. So I think it does matter. Um, I think it takes time, uh, but and it also depends on the system and, you know, you know, for uh, Borgelin, like I said, you know, it's, you know, I've watched some of the games. I don't think it's all on him. Like, cause we've, we've talked about the, the New Mexico midfield, you know, having problems connecting up to the forwards in a good position. So I think it's just a combination, but yeah, to me, there is a difference. 
Yeah, I would love to be able to watch more of MLS Next Pro. Unfortunately, it's just not available readily, I should say. It's not readily <laughs> available to watch anywhere. Um, because there are there there are guys who are talented that played in USL Championship, you know, two years ago before the exodus of the two teams that I would have loved to have seen, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you look at Red Bulls too, who were quite competitive for a number of years in USL championship. And I don't honestly don't know how they're doing in, in next pro, but not well, you know, the, not well. Okay. Yeah. Not well. I mean, there's a, uh, it would be interesting to see Jane has a point here. And this is the, I think this is a great analogy. I call it a fumble to Harry. Yeah. I, I, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it, it really does. Um, but you're absolutely right, Harry, and it's something we've talked about all season long. United's midfield has lacked creativity. They've lacked uh, chance creation. Uh, you know, Obviously, we're missing Christian Nava, who will not be back this season. I, I posed the question the other night. I said, if there's a chance from the last game that we're still in this, do we see Nava? No, absolutely no, not. Would, Nava will not be back. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't Why would you to, risk you know? it? Oh yeah, no, I don't think you would, but you know, it's just one of those questions because you know fans are going to ask, you know, what if, you know, what mm-hmm. if we put Nava in there? What if you did this? I, I asked about Chris Weehan, you know, a guy who's been missing for a large portion of the season with the, with a broken kneecap, and every week that we've been told for weeks that he's he's close, he's close, he's close. Well, honestly, I don't at this point, I don't think he's coming back this year. I don't think you risk him at this point because he hasn't played at all. He's not going to have any sort of match fitness. And even if you throw him in there here in the last two weeks, you're not going to get a full Chris Weehan experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to get the, the full benefit of everything he can do. And that's why you look at guys like Nikki Hernandez and Sergio Rivas and what they've done through stretches of this season. And you know, we've talked about you know, Sergio's driving at opponents. He's so good. He put, he makes defenders do bad things. And you saw that again Saturday night. Mm-hmm. You saw, you know, the three through our mid just pushing forward and forcing loose city into positions that they could, just couldn't defend. And you know, Nikki's been phenomenal, and we'll get to Nikki more here in just a minute. But <laughs> you know, th- that service has not been there all season. And even Saturday, watching Amando Moreno in, in some of his best games, you still see him getting into posi- positions. And it happened time and time again. I'll say where he's got no help around him. Right. And there's only so much that Amando can do when he's got two to three defenders closing in on him. He needs to have an outlet for that ball. And there's not, we don't have the creative people uh, for, we haven't had the creative, the creativity most of the time to get that ball to him. We don't have, yes, we have Schneider's hold up play is pretty good, but he doesn't, hasn't really turned into anything for us. Greg Hurst has been who I thought was going to be a, good signing for us in the offseason hasn't really developed into anything for us is it system potentially you know you saw the pace of daniel bruce working wonders for us up top but brucey also has that ability to drift out wide and be creative from out there where you know you saw borgel on saturday drift out wide and he kind of you know got lost yeah so i mean there's system there's creativity there's service there's a lot of different things that have gone into why our forwards have not done well this season but you know saturday night schneider borgeland does the unthinkable a forward picking up two yellows like <laughs> you and i were talking about this a little while ago before we came on air and you know, we've seen we saw Devin pick up a yellow here and there when he was playing but I can't think of a time that I've seen a forward pick up two yellows in a match for two just silly fouls, fouls that shouldn't have been committed. There's no reason for him to do it. 
Well, the first and, one said was for dissent or argument in the 15th minute, and then the 53rd minute was the the foul, which for a second yellow, I thought maybe it was kind of harsh, but you and I kind of talked about where he did get the studs up or, you know, the boot up hot, you know, you know, on the shin area to where you, you give the referee the opportunity to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't see the 15th pay attention or, you know, catch the, the 15th minute one there, but yeah, there was got, a foul. You got to be right smarter. Field. But to, to me, like I said here, if you're, if you're on that, if you're on that, 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 if you're already on a yellow card and especially where he kind of went in, you know, on, on the, on the foul for the second card, you could tell he was kind of 50, 50 on going in and mm-hmm. that's what put him in the position. And, and unfortunately it was a, a bad position. He got caught in. So, but he's yeah, a young it's... kid though. He is. I think he's 22, 23. I'd, I'd have to double check that. But yeah, he's he's young. He still has 21. Some, he's, 21. Yeah. He uh he still has some growing to do. He's got a lot of development left to do. And you know, I think that's one of those moments that he's gonna think back on like, okay, like why am I making this challenge? Is this a smart challenge to make? And right. in that moment, it really wasn't. Um yeah. And you talk about, you know, the, the loss of him going forward, at least for next week against Phoenix. But I just, yeah, Borgelin's contribution has not been significant enough for me to say this is going to be a big loss for us against Rising. You know, you've got mm-hmm. Greg Hurst who can come in and play similar style. I think Borgelin's got a bit uh, a bit more pace. I think he's... Speed, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you, know, but you need that against Phoenix, so you need that you against do. Phoenix. You do, and we talked about that earlier in the year. You know, Phoenix does not do well against pace. They just they, they don't, especially that across that back four, um, and that's you know how we exploited them earlier in the in the season. So, you know, you do kind of miss out on that. But I think this is one of those opportunities where maybe you throw Daniel Bruce up top again. You know, Daniel Bruce, Amando Moreno. You've got you know it gives you a bunch of pace. Now, I mean, obviously Bruce is not your prototypical forward, but you know he he brought something. You know those first few matches after Quill after Quill was hired, and maybe that's a possibility there instead of seeing Hurst up there, uh, you know, to run that match. But you know, to me, the bigger loss is that of Nikki Hernandez. You know, yes. Nikki came in Saturday and for the night. reason for the reason why. Yeah, and, and I know this is it's been questioned, and, I, and I, I've seen some discussion and. You know, Nikki subs in 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 the 58th for Harry Swartz, uh, picks up a foul in the seventh, picks up a yellow card for foul in the 70th. Which, I mean, yeah, you can go either it way on came, that. He came mean, from behind. He, he came yeah. from behind uh, for there. So you can't. He didn't really put much of an argue up for it either. So no, no. I, I think if the ref lets that one go, just you know, kind of cautions him there without giving him the yellow. I think you accomplish the same thing. Correct. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a valid foul. Um, you could give that card there. And then, you know, Nikki, you know, with United already down to 10 men, Nikki picks up a, picks up a goal, a fantastic goal. Great, great ball for us to, to spring him. Um, and that's what you want to see when you're down, you know, you sit back, you absorb some pressure and, and spring on the counter and great goal by Nikki going across goal. And then you've got the celebration. <laughs> um, obviously this is, this is pre-planned. If you go back and watch the replay, you see a staffer 
pull who's sitting there by the goal, pull the mask out and hand it to Nikki. And it is in the laws of the game. You cannot put on a mask during a celebration. Go, it's in law 12. Uh, you know, I, if you've watched over the past few years, you know, folks have gotten in trouble for taking off shirts and or you know, pulling up their shirt and showing like a political message and things like that. This all falls into that. You 100%. can't put on a mask. Like, and it was conveyed to us in the press conference on Saturday night that folks weren't aware of that being part of the laws of the game. Um, it is an automatic caution. And you see the discussion after the fact. You see, you know, there being some confusion, and the referee kind of indicated he didn't really want to do it, but he had. But he to. had to. He had to. It's in the laws of the game, you know. And you know, you see him clearly indicating that there was, you know, he something with the face. Yeah, there was some question at first as to what actually happened or why the yellow was given, but that's exactly what it was. Um, yeah, I knew when I saw it. I was like, "You're getting yellow card." I didn't. I got caught up in the moment and I forgot that he had a yellow card five minutes earlier. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's where Nikki's got to be smarter. Um, and I know you get caught up in the moment. And I think that's what Nikki's fourth goal. I think I heard the announcer say, yes. uh, you know, with, with New Mexico United. So he's, you know, he's been a great addition. I know, you know, as San Antonio fans were like, Hey, can we resign Nikki? But, you know, unfortunately he didn't. And, and he went to New Mexico. But you got to be smarter. And, and, you know, how many times have we seen the silly yellow cards for, you know, taking off a shirt, for using other props, for, you know, the, you can't do it. And to me, the, the fact that, you know, the New Mexico United staff is saying, hey, they didn't know, that's not a good look. I hate to say it. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's not a good look, you know. Because that's common. Well, that's common. It, it goal celebrations aren't. You know, you can't involve. You can't take articles of clothing off. You can't put articles of clothing on. You can't use props. It, it gets carded in, in every league. I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand it. And 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 like I said here, I know Nikki meant well, and and I think you guys were celebrating or uh, so. Uh, was it? Um, were you celebrating? Uh, that was in well, that was Indigenous Peoples Night. It was actually really cool. Before the match, the uh, the national anthem was sung in Navajo. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I had never seen that before. Um, my son, my oldest son, is actually a quarter Navajo, so I know about ten words. And so I kind of <laughs> wish he had been able to see it, you know, and because his grandfather is full blood in Navajo, and I oh, think wow. it would have been a really cool thing. So uh, I intend to ask, you know, the club if I can get like a copy of it so I can show them, but. It was a really cool thing. Um, but my understanding is that the math was actually from a uh, from a wrestler. Yeah. A, a Mexican wrestler. So, yeah, it was uh, – I mean, obviously, Nikki had his reason for doing it. He's celebrating something. But, yeah, and it wasn't just staff. It was, you know, Coach Quill, Kalen Ryden, and and, uh, Andrew, and Andy Thomas, who all said we, that they had no idea that that was part of it. So – uh, not just staff saying that they didn't know it was, you know, coach himself saying he wasn't aware of that. So, but yeah, like you said, like you see it in the NFL, they, you know, players pull out props, you know, we saw, who was it? I think he was, who pulled out a, uh, pulled out a Sharpie or pulled out in uh, Randy Moss, Terrell Randy Owens, Moss. Yeah. 
one of those guys that someone pulled out a cell phone and like, you know, like those guys, you get the celebration penalties. So well, the, the reason why is it delays the game and it can be kind of used as a taunting. And, and, and I know Nikki, that wasn't the point. It was more to celebrate his, his heritage and, and along those lines mm-hmm. and the messages they was trying to do. But if you allow that there, then, you know, what's to prevent somebody else from having another prop that, that they use. And so it's, 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 it's unfortunate um to me where you yeah i think you guys play phoenix this upcoming week we have phoenix this saturday it's it's a it's a huge impact uh for you guys not to have nikki um nikki there you know borderline links out here i think he i think he could have it could be an impact but to me nikki in the in the midfield is is one especially going against phoenix where they do have a great midfield and they will push and impress that, you know, you guys lose some of the depth. And um, I know you guys have brought in players compared to the last time I was on where I talked about for New Mexico, it was really the lack of depth. Mm-hmm. You're going to test your depth this week, uh, you know, you know, for that here in, in a must win, right? It's, I, I don't think there's any, any, anything short of three points is going to help you guys make the playoffs at this point. And even then you're I- on the, most likely on the outside. Yeah, I mean, a draw really doesn't help unless we see losses from everybody else around us. But even then, like, I I, I haven't sat down and done all of the math. But, yeah, I mean, it's basically your, win or your, go home. Your max is at 46. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the Roots are already at 42. And El Paso's at 43. So, and Monterey, and then of course RGV. I gotta check see if RGV's correct. Thirty nine, yeah, thirty nine, forty, forty one. So yeah, yeah it's forty eight. Yeah. So yeah, for you know, for you guys, it's you know, you guys have, to, you guys have to win, depending on what Oakland does, um, mm-hmm. just for the fact that you know Monterey, RGV, um, both also have it, and then I'd have to look at tiebreakers uh, along those lines. But to me, it's a must win. Um, and Phoenix is also trying to get home field advantage right now. They're in the, I think they're in the fourth slot fourth. or third slot, fourth yeah. slot because yeah. they lose the tiebreaker to San Diego uh, for that here. But you know, Orange County is right behind them, so and they have the tiebreaker over Orange County. But you know, it's you know for that home, home final home playoff spot or being able to get into the third. You know Phoenix is going to be wanting all three points as well, especially in a rivalry match. Because um, for those that don't know, uh, if 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 you're you know new to following this and, and just doing this, uh, New Mexico and Phoenix is probably top three as far as rivalries in in USL Championship uh, for that you know as far as dislike between. Uh, <laughs> It's from the organizations. I don't think like I don't think either organizations like each other. I don't think the teams like each other, and I know both fan bases don't because I interact with both fan bases, and you guys can't stand each other. It's oh yeah, no, it, without a doubt, and it goes back to back to year one, and then obviously you know the 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 COVID year you know exacerbated things a bit, and so yeah, it's it, it's an interesting one. I. And we've talked about, I, you know, to me, that's that's the biggest rivalry we have. Like El Paso is what it is. You know, there's always going to be that hate there. But I mean, it's Phoenix and Phoenix and New Mexico. Like, yeah, he said the, the fan bases just hate each other. They just really do. And there are there's a few folks over on 
rising Twitter <laughs> that <laughs> seem to allow New Mexico to live rent free in their heads. So, you know, I, I try to take the very neutral approach here. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting rivalry. So you take the neutral, I take a, Hey, let's egg it on. Let's stir the pot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And I don't blame you at all. You know, but I, but I think it's good as long as, as long as the fan bases don't take it too far. I think it's a good thing to have that in sport, you know? Um, now obviously you, you've seen some things pop up on, you know, on social media here and there and, you know, things about people leaving stickers and all this kind of stuff and whatever, like, yeah, you know, I, I think it's so, I, I think all that's all, all in good fun, but you know, some people definitely take more exception to it than others. Yeah. I was going to say, I think going back to sticker gate, I think rising minute <laughs> as, as, as fun and it was not received very well. I'll just leave it at that without having to rehash. Nope. <laughs> Because we talked about we talked about bringing stickers in uh, when when we traveled over, and security's on the watch for that. You know they they you know you know I won't say who or what just but we were looking to place a sticker you know uh, and unfortunately uh, there was not the opportunity just uh, from the fact of uh, there was a lot of eyes on anybody that was wearing silver and black uh, on that day. Yeah, I mean, I think some of that comes down to the fact that uh, Isotopes Park Security is what is what it is. That is not New Mexico United's uh, security. So, yeah, you know, Isotopes Park is. Uh, you say that, and we'll talk about it at the end. But there, there was some news this week uh, about possible uh, future stadium. There was. I cannot wait to get get into that. I debated doing a show at the end of last week when that came out, but. Uh, we will certainly get into that, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's the end of the season is here. We've got two weeks left. I mean, obviously, you know, our clubs are in two vastly different positions. You, you mentioned it, New Mexico United has to win out. And even if we do, we still need help uh, because right now the best we can do is set. And you look at the teams around us, you know, roots is a match in hand on us. You know, El Paso has a match in hand. RGV has a, has a match in hand. And, you know, if you're a New Mexico United supporter, like you just you, even after this win against Lou City, as impressive as it was in that performance, you can't really feel good about these next two matches coming up because, really, for the past, I mean, almost half season, we've had the worst back end of the schedule that anyone could face this year. Um, and, and you guys, meanwhile, again, while your last two matches aren't necessarily easy easy by any means on paper you've got to feel a lot better about your your chances at potentially jumping into to one uh compared to where united is at trying to even get back into the playoff discussions and i think for san antonio fc um would they like to be number one yes but pittsburgh's already won or, or for san antonio that they can't host the final unless you know, Pittsburgh and Tampa aren't doing it. Uh, you know, the top two seeds in the East. Um, Sacramento should uh, win the West. So I think for San Antonio FC, it's fine tuning and, and trying to get, you know, keep healthy, um, avoid silly cards, not necessarily this week, but next, you know, the following week, especially if you're on that yellow card watch uh, for, for suspension. 
because those do carry over to the playoffs if if you do pick up you know that eighth or tenth or whichever whichever tier that you're on so i think for that um but yeah to me it's it's you know for san antonio it's it's trying to get into that rhythm because let's be honest the playoffs it's all about momentum and going in hot and staying hot if you're struggling um because the matches are tight it doesn't you know uh, for that here it's all quality teams whether you know you're playing it you know a home or away uh i do know if the championship is in sacramento it'll be extremely tough just like if the championship you know final is in uh, san antonio it's a tough place to play Phoenix is tough. San Diego would be tough. Orange County is a quality team. You know, there's there's there, there's there's no easy team in 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 the West, and I think that's why we kind of see that the depth for that here. We got Orange County, Colorado Springs, which we haven't even talked about, is sixth for that here, and then you know you got you know New Mexico, RGV, Monterey Bay, Oakland, El Paso, all kind of in that for those last two spots. And, you know, to be honest with you, if, uh, you know, El Paso had what a 10 game unbeaten streak earlier in the year, you guys had a pretty decent, you guys had had some pretty good success and you know, what what, it was what 2020, 2021, you guys came to San Antonio and um, advanced on, you know, you know, I'm on the Somos Mas, so you advanced on a goal. Some of us would dispute handball, (laughs) but Record book says it's a goal uh, by mm-hmm. by Mr. Weehan, but uh, you know, uh, I think the only weak links uh, the lights, right? As, as far as out west, I think you know you can make a case for any of the other teams. Once you get into the tournament, um, you could see an, a path for them to to get there. But but yeah, for for San Antonio, definitely, I'd rather be in our position than your position. I've been in your position. And it sucks because you're like, hey, we can win these next two games and still miss out, and because you don't control your destiny because of, you know, earlier season uh, bad luck, injuries, you know, mm-hmm. bad play, whatever the situation, you know, whatever scenario you want to play. Yeah, unfortunately for United, I don't think we've had a season where we've comfortably been in the playoffs. Um, it's 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 seemingly come down to the last week or two of every single season that we've made it. So, you know, this is no different than the others. Um, I mean, obviously, depending on results this weekend, I mean, really even uh, tomorrow night, you know, we could see a, a massive hit to our to our playoff hopes. And when you look at the matches tomorrow. Um, you've got uh, El Paso playing tomorrow night against San Diego Loyal and Orange County and Oakland. So, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, this for tomorrow night, you know, we're Orange County and, and Loyal fans. And and even to the, to that extent, you know, we're sharing for Hartford tomorrow night too because RGV is playing tomorrow night as well. So three, <laughs> three big matches that impact United season, you know, uh, you talked about earlier, you know, Oakland, you know, depending on what they, what they do, if Oakland wins, I mean, we're really behind the eight ball, you know, it's, it's tough. It's a tough spot to be in, you know, and I mean, fortunately Oakland and El Paso get that match out of match in hand out of the way here in midweek, but an RGV as well. But, you know, we had opportunities throughout the season, you know, we had two to three matches in hand for weeks and we didn't do anything with it. So here's the question for you, um, because the I think the odds of New Mexico making the playoffs are slim. 
And that's pro that's probably being nice. I felt, and, and I've expressed this to, to you guys the, the last couple of years, I would have liked to have seen more change uh, with New Mexico. Do you think this is the year that you actually see more change uh, with it? You know, and I'm not saying, you know, replacing the coach again, you know, for that here, but um, obviously the current system hasn't had success. And I think, I think we would agree because you guys didn't make the playoffs last year, right? You just missed, missed out. Uh, if memories serves me or did you guys uh, make the playoffs last year? We did make it last year. <coughs> We you lost in the out. first round. Oh, did you play us in the first round? No, Sacramento, I want to say. Okay. Let me double check that here real quick. Um, but yeah, the, to, to answer your question first, like, yes, this is more than likely going to be. Yeah, we lost to Sacramento 2 0. Um, oh, yeah, you guys finished fifth. Yeah. So you actually, you guys um, were pretty comfortable. You weren't comfortable, comfortable, but uh, you guys yeah. were solid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it still came down to like the last two weekends, <clears throat> I, I remember weeks, correctly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, so no, I don't think there's another, I don't see, I don't think we see a coaching change here in the offseason. I know some people have speculated, but no, you don't give, uh, you don't give someone like Coach Quill half a season. Right. And, and move on. Because you look at the roster that he inherited, you know, which is, and we've, referred to it as you know troy 1.5 you know because that's really all zach was you know I, I love zach as a person i think he i think he's a great person i like troy as a person you know and i think you know, troy's troy's done you know pretty okay <laughs> you know up in the mls up at the mls level so you know zach's with him now which you know we all knew was going to happen and, and so but you look at the system that they want to play compared to what coach quill wants to play you Different. see it's 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 vastly different and you see a lot we've seen a lot more combinations and formations of personnel in just half a season under coach quill than we did in you know five years of of less of troy 1.0 and 1.5 so and, and i think what bothered me and and to me, it's it's something that I think is kind of surprising because uh, I think in the off season, if you would have told me that uh, Santi Moore, Greg Hurst, and who was the other those those two, and, and the well, the other one was uh, Weehan that came back, but he mm -hmm. came back prior. Yeah, but they really haven't had the success that you thought they would have had. And sure. to me, it's it's never if a player is returning, it's. Odds are, what, 75% of the time, it doesn't go as well as the first time. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's where, you know, with New Mexico United, it always seems like they're trying to bring back the band, you know, bring back the band together. Mm -hmm. And it just it just doesn't seem to work. And that's why, for, you know, as a San Antonio fan, hey, I hope you guys kind of struggle. But as kind of, a you know, semi-guest host on here every once in a while uh, for New Mexico, you hope to where you bring in some new blood, some younger blood, some faster um, for some speed. Uh, for that, especially on the small pitch that you guys have, with with the baseball pitch, having that speed is key for you guys because there's not a lot of space, you know, like RGV where for that here. But it'll be interesting to see what the off season brings. But we're not to the off season yet. So mm -hmm. for you, where do you see New Mexico finishing? Um, you know, if. 
if you'd asked me that a couple weeks ago, I'd have held out. I, I, I think I even said, you know, I was holding out hope to see what would happen, you know, but uh, I was waiting to see a would bees come back because, you know, bees is obviously a guy who, when he's healthy, can make a healthy, can make a contribution, but I, I think we miss. And, you know, I, I've tried to be very realistic about my expectations and hopes this year. And, uh, you, you know, coaching change, things look good under Quill. Um, and I still think things look good under him. You know, we've seen some positive change. We've seen some positive signings and a shift away from, you know, prior systems. But I think we miss. Um, I honestly think best case scenario, we get three more points this season. Um, and I think I honestly, it, I don't think you get any personally, but I, I could, I, I, I could easily see that. Cause I think Memphis is still trying to get that final, final home playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And f- same with Phoenix here, you know, they, they have more to play. I think the form that they're in is better. Um, especially for this upcoming one where it's away. Um, you know, to Phoenix, which is a tough place to play, although New Mexico typically does fairly well or better than average uh, than most teams for that here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, you know, like I said here, I think New Mexico finished in around 10th, 11th, you know, depending on the RGV Monterey Bay results. But, yeah, with the two two matches of being Phoenix and uh, Memphis, both right now number four seeds uh, in, in the playoffs, you know, one's at home, the last match uh, for that here. So, you know, I know you guys had, what, 11,000 and change, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the lab for the last one here. It's a Friday night match, and, and I'm sure you guys will have something uh, special uh, planned, uh, you know, you know, for that match. But New Mexico, or Memphis plays on a baseball field, so, you know, you know, they'll be accustomed to it. So, to me, I, you know. I hate to say it, but I don't. I don't see New Mexico improving their position at all. Yeah, I I really think ten is where we finish because even even if we do pick up three more points, you know, I think RGV, uh, you know, is kind of my dark horse. You know, I mentioned it to you to you earlier. You know, I, I think RG RGV is one of those teams. You never know what they're going to do. You never know how they're going to play. Um, and I know the back end of their schedule is not necessarily favorable for them. And, you know, Hartford, Sack, and uh, Loudon. So, I mean, I think there's a possibility that they pick up, uh, you know, six. Well, so, well I, mean, I think they should get the win against Hartford um, mm-hmm. just because Hartford is poor. Um, sorry, AJ, and, and uh, I know you love Matt Shelton, uh, who has a YouTube channel, and he's like, how's, how's Matt Shelton doing? Uh I think they get the win there. RGV Sacramento, their last two matches are at home. Loudon, mm-hmm. you got to figure is a win. Um, you know, I like Loudon, and I, you know, if, if you guys haven't been paying attention, <clears throat> watch out for Loudon next year. Um, I think they're going to see kind of a Tulsa type turnaround um, as far as like they've done some very good fan, things out there. Fan engagement, you know, through there because their new ownership took over what a week or two before the season started. Mm-hmm. Um, today they announced, you know, that they're not going to charge for parking, and I think you're going to see a lot more investment into uh, Loudon United. So watch out for them next year. Um, but to me, that Sacramento RGV match for you know as a San Antonio FC fan, that's a tough place where 
I could see RGV getting a draw because Sacramento isn't blowing people out, you know, out and especially on the road and especially down where, you know, you know, where HEV park, where dreams go to draw, uh, go to die. That is a tough place. The only reason why I kind of give a little bit of hesitancy to it is because uh, RGV has to travel to Hartford on what Wednesday they mm -hmm. do play on, uh, no, they do play on Saturday night. So they've got a quick trip. And, you know, just as a reminder, this is a makeup for a weather game that got delayed a few weeks ago in Hartford. So, so because of that is why they're having to travel back to the East Coast to come back down. So to me, that that's that probably gives a little bit of edge to Sacramento. But, yeah, I think six more points at minimum is what you can expect from, you know, from RGV. Uh, for that, yeah, like I said, you know, our, for me, they're kind of the dark horse. Whether or not they sneak into the playoffs, I don't know, but it, it'll be it'll be close because you know you, you see RGV picking up six, that puts them on forty five. I mean, depending on other results, but it, you know, it's. I mean, I think United is stuck. I think we really yeah. are tenth, eleventh is going to be where we're at, and then you go into the off season, going okay, what has to change? <clears throat> obviously, I think we. I think we see a lot more roster turnover this year. Um, you know, you mentioned Santi Moar, guy. You know, we brought him back. You know, to a fair amount of fanfare, but mm -hmm. for those of us in the media, we kind of questioned. Okay, you know, how is he going to perform? How is he going to do? And he just he has not contributed anywhere near the level that we that a lot of people thought he would. Um, well, he struggled in Phoenix too. Mm -hmm. um, well, let, 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 let's be fair. He, he, you know, he cooled off in Phoenix and that's why they probably had no issues really kind of letting him go. I will say here, um, just, and I'm sure you know this here, a lot of deals for next year uh, may not be finalized, but are probably already in the works uh, for oh, yeah. year. So um, that's one thing that I've kind of learned through, you know, through the grapevine and sources through here is, a lot of the player movements that that you're going to be seeing during the off season, a lot of it's done this time of year. You know, September, October. You know, that way players and families can can get you know can through there. Now, of course, team options and stuff like that that still has to be worked out. So, um, but for New Mexico United, uh, to me, there there's a lot there's a lot to be able to to be you know be able to look forward to. Um, for me, I'm interested to kind of see what happens with Zico Bailey, with mm -hmm. uh, with you know with uh, uh, Nicky Hernandez, obviously two former San Antonio FC players. But um, at least from the outside, it seems like they've adapted to New Mexico very well. Um, for me personally, they're great community guys, and like I said, I would like to see them, especially Zico, be really given a shot at, at playing full time and starting. Because I hate to say it, as a San Antonio fan. He got, you know, yes, he came in on a 25-day contract, um, you know, got, you know, got signed to a season long and then negotiated. But um, I would have liked to have seen what he would have done as a starter at times with San Antonio and, and hopefully in New Mexico, he gets that opportunity. Yeah, he's been phenomenal since he's come in. Um, Zico has been a lot of fun to watch. You've seen him play both. Uh, both that right back and also play out of the midfield. Up top. And mm -hmm. yeah, he's, he's been up top a little bit as well. So, you know, he's been a lot of fun to watch. Nikki's been phenomenal. Obviously I honestly, he, I, I want to see both those guys come back for next season. Um, I like Kyle Colonna. Um, 
I would love to see Garvanyan getting more opportunity. He's been hurt the last couple of weeks. I'd love to see him get more play. A uh, really good young guy. Um, and Astorga, too, a guy that we mm-hmm. just assigned. Um, we were talking to Coach about him Saturday night. He was a member of the U23s. Uh, coach asked him to stay around and train with the first team, you know, without a contract. He stayed, he trained, and he earned himself a contract. And he's been really good since we brought him up to the first team. And so I think we'll see him here these these last two matches as well, just in the in in the off chance we do make the playoffs. Um, you know, that way you've got him on that postseason roster. But you know, you look at the forwards. Um, obviously, you know, we'll have Nava back next year. Um you know, I, I don't – I think Isaac Zuleta is a guy that I think could be interesting. We haven't seen him nearly enough. He's been injured off also. Um, Jacobo Reyes has been a little underwhelming, but he has history with coach. So, you know, I, I really – there's a lot of guys that could be out the door here at the end of the season. Um, I, I think Santi's gone. I think Greg is gone. Honestly, I think all of our fours are gone. I mean, Alex Wagner, obviously, he's up at uh, University of Michigan doing really well up there. <laughs> uh, so glad to see that. You know, I mean, our, our academy is producing talent. So um, I, I think we see a lot of forwards come in uh, here in the offseason. So I would expect a lot of change. Um, obviously, we'll have some, uh, we'll have our wish lists here in a couple of weeks and we'll get more into that. But I think we see a lot of change this year and, you know, with, with Quill getting a full season under his belt next year, which is the expectation. Cause I don't think, I don't see Pete and the ownership giving coach, you know, a year and a half or, you know, less than, less than a full season, I should say, you know, um, giving unless, they're looking, bringing- unless they're looking to go a completely, Completely different direction where they're just going to rip the bandaid off. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I don't think the coach is going anywhere. Uh, no. Yeah. Year. Yeah. I mean, unless we unless we somehow start like zero and twelve or some nonsense. Like, well, not, not even that. I just because I just think that if they just want to wipe the slate clean and mm-hmm. just just go from there, you know, go from there. But I don't. I don't see it happening. But. And especially with Peter, you know, ha- you know, I don't have the interaction that you do, but uh, he seems like somebody that's you know very community oriented, that's always looking out for the long term. And obviously, he doesn't put Eric in there without thinking that he could be possibly be the guy. And to be honest with you, the results he's got, he's got good enough results to to get you know, in my opinion, to be able to stay on. Um, you know, but to me, it kind of goes into was this a make or break year for the, you know, for the playoffs to, you know, because the goal was to take that next step. Mm-hmm. And you, you could argue that, you know, New Mexico took a step back. And I think this team is going to be building for what 2025 mm-hmm. is, is, you know, you know, probably on the next story that we're going to get to is really what this next, what these next two seasons is going to be is to be building for, um, when you guys do get that new stadium to, you know, where you are, um, you know, a San Antonio Louisville type, you know, where, where you've got that depth, where you've got that quality, where you can step in and, uh, you know, really put a claim into, you know, being one of the elite teams in the West in, in well, not even just the West, but USL championship. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, definitely. You can definitely look at it as a step back, but you know, no one expected the results that we got under Zach and then to have coach Quill come in, 
and do what he did. And even with just a few signings that he had, Correct. you know, you can, you can see a difference in this club. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be the focus here in the off season and next year is going to be building for that future. And, you know, you, you, you talk about that, you talk about the, the big news. I mean, on Friday, it came out that the city, well, the city, uh, Thursday or Friday, I think it was Thursday. Thursday. The, yeah. Thursday, the city held a press conference. Mayor Tim Keller came out and said that the city intended to lease seven acres of land to New Mexico United for a stadium up at Balloon Fiesta Park. Uh, with some caveats in that lease, such as New Mexico United had to invest a minimum of $30 million of private funding. The They could not host matches during Balloon Fiesta. They could not interfere with any balloonists. And, the, and, and on top of rent, New Mexico United will be paying a portion of the parking fees to the city, among some other things. And one of which we found out Saturday night after the match. Once the lease is paid in full... New Mexico United will be donating the stadium to the city. Nice. Yeah. So it will be a fully public stadium, publicly owned stadium, once that is paid off. That was directly from Peter Trevisani in the post-match uh, on Saturday evening. Um, but, yeah, I mean, massive, massive news. It was supposed to go to the city council last night. I went looking through the agenda for the meeting. It was not on there, so I don't know what happened. Um but yeah, I mean, it's it's been a long time coming with all of the negativity surrounding the public bond vote in 2021, and you know everything that's been going on. You know, will will we get a stadium? Won't we get a stadium? Where is it going to go? And we've heard Lagoon Siesta Park uh, rumored for quite a while now, um, and some of the early maps that we saw of potential locations is where the stadium's going to be. So. So there's an article on Yahoo Sports. I'm assuming it's from Ken Sickinger uh, from the Albuquerque Journal. Uh, he has some more key points in there. The 30 million funding, uh, annual rent payments to the city beginning at 35,000 uh, a year last year, which to me sounds pretty reasonable. But it says the agreement was to be introduced at the Albuquerque City Council on Monday night and is scheduled for a council hearing and vote on October 16th. Okay. So that will be. According to uh, Ken Stickinger from Albert, uh, Albuquerque Journal and, and Yahoo Sports, uh, there is a update saying that the council meeting and vote would be on October 16th. And as I've learned from Orange County and Austin FC, uh, typically if it's a, a council meeting, if they're open to the public, um, New Mexico fans can go and sub, uh, express support. Uh, for it here to help encourage your local city council uh, to make the right decision. And, and I'm not saying that they won't make the right decision, but obviously showing support for your club. May sway yeah, that, yeah, that's one of the great things about the, the New Mexico, about the Albuquerque City Council meetings that you can, uh, they are done virtually. So you can virtually join and, and do it that way. I don't know that they, they do have public comment. I don't know if they actually have public comment in person currently but they do do that through zoom so you can uh hop online and make your voice heard that way but yeah no it, it sounds really promising and the location that's been picked is one that is not currently used by any portion of balloon fiesta um if there is a map i'm, I'm trying to get a hold of it from the club um that was shown it's kind of, and it's there so the north northeast side of balloon fiesta park 
there's a, there's a electrical substation there and a bunch of power mm. lines. So the balloons can't fly there anyway. Um, so it, it's really not going to take away from Balloon Fiesta Park itself. There's already ingress and egress points. The city is going to invest uh, on, in infrastructure in the area. The city is not putting any public funding towards the stadium construction itself. It's only going towards infrastructure. Um, so there's no city bond. There's nothing like that. You know, the club is fully is fully in. Now, I'm sure there might will probably be some state money at some point because the state does have weed and gas money now. So <laughs> th- there might be something coming from the state, but there will be no Albuquerque, you know, city funding going towards that. And I mean, infrastructure, it's infrastructure is always on, on there. So, you know, and, you know, I can tell you from discussions that I've had, they've already done some of the testing, such as light and sound, you know, noise, um, and things are going really, really well. The closest residential areas are a couple miles away. All that, Pretty much all that's in that area is Balloon Fiesta Park, the Pueblo of Santa Ana, and then you've got businesses, including my former workplace um as well as others so so here's a question for you i mm-hmm. don't think you've seen this article um but he was asked on natural gas versus artificial turf um, i asked that years. oh did you i asked so, that so saturday you, night yeah so so you already know the answer that mm-hmm. uh but he says my heart says grass my wallet says turf everyone likes playing on grass but there's a balance to consider because we want to have women's game and high school games and you can't mm-hmm. play on grass every day. Um, and also at the expense of watering, you know, and of course they're going to try to make this decision as late as possible. Yeah. I'm of the believer. I know everybody says, Hey, it's going to be grass. I'm of the believer that I think at, at some point, all the fields are going to be turf, especially at this level, just because he's paying what 35,000 uh, in rent right now you know, to be able to kind of help recoup, you know, some of those uh, expenses, having events, you know, like high school games, I know you guys are going to have a women's uh, game, uh, women's team there, which will play during the winter. Uh, So playing on grass is, you know, that's not going to be growing. Uh, I don't see any way that they go other than turf. Um, Now you can have like the turf, like Colorado Springs, It'd be interesting if they have, um, and you know, he talks about wallet, but it'd be interesting if he has, uh, you know, like over in England and other places where they have the heated turf, how much that that would be uh, for that, especially, you know, because it gets cold in New Mexico, right? Uh, I know it's it, it not does. like a and stuff like that, but I believe you guys get snow ever, you know, every once in a while, kind of like Dallas, Fort Worth, or maybe even a little bit more. Yeah, so the metro area itself doesn't necessarily get a ton of snow. You really have to kind of go up, you know, more north, like the Santa Fe or east, like the East Mountains areas. Um, but we do get, yeah. yeah, we do get snow occasionally here in town, but it's nothing like it is outside of town. Um, but yeah, no, I I asked that question Saturday night. That that was me. That was the answer that Pete gave. <laughs> um, I I initially asked it as, as part of another question because. One of the things that Pete has long wanted with the stadium is to build retail shops around the stadium. That's something that he had an, the original idea for. So I asked him, said, you know, you talk about activating the area, you know, bringing in revenue and things like that. Is this still part of the plan? And I said, and then, you know, and obviously the question, everyone's so grass or turf. And 
our good friend David Weezy Carl tried to move on from that one, and uh, he had you know. <laughs> And he goes, anybody have any questions? Yeah, grass for because Pete didn't answer it initially. He goes, and Davis, I was trying to move on from that. I said, no, 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 we're not, <laughs> you know, we're not getting off of that one, you know. So, um, but I get it. And, and, and Pete's vision for this stadium is that it will be open to the public. He wants it to be open every day of the year. He says there's no reason that a, sta- a stadium shouldn't be open. You know, if people come in and walk around or come in and have community games or have high school games or other events – at the stadium because they do want it to be open. They want to be part of the community. They want to be a community asset. And so the concern about grass, I get it. I mean, if you're going to have that many events, you can't, it can't be grass. Just it can't be. Yeah. You just can't. Um, now, obviously we know the current concerns about turf, you know, that contribute the, you know, does it contribute to more injuries than grass? You know, does, you know, it's, it is, it's obviously much easier to maintain, um, now why we can't do what you know, Real Madrid did, I don't know, other than the fact that it probably costs you know, a few hundred million dollars, but um, you know, with a retractable field. But you know, it's from a fan from a fan standpoint, I would love to see grass. From the media side, from the logistical side, I get it. I get the desire to to forego grass and put in turf. Um yep. I, I don't think a heated turf is going to be uh, on the books, but we'll see. Um, I don't think it is either, but I'm like, hey, possibly that would that would be a cool addition. And expect. And the reason I bring it up is because of the uh, women's game, because we want to make sure that they have a proper, you know, even if it's turf. And I know, like you know, Colorado Springs has the the coconut style turf, which is top of the line, and I'm and I'm pretty sure Peter's going to get something. Uh, of equivalent, if not better, uh, you know, quality uh, for that here where it's going to be a top line. It's going to be great turf. The issue is, is that in the winter, it, it's, you know, especially it's slick and stuff like that. If you can, um, you know, through there here now, you know, of course, it's not my, uh, you know, my pocketbook unless, uh, you know, I won the, uh, was it Mega Millions or Powerball, whatever that's at, you know, uh, some godly amount that, you know, yeah. Hey, I could become a USL owner at that point. Uh, <laughs> for that. <laughs> uh, and then Peter, we can talk about a stadium uh, for that here, but uh, it, it'll be interesting on the size. Um, I think it's gotta be what 10, 10 to 15, you figure. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that they did say in, in the talk with Pete on Saturday night was that they haven't decided. They haven't made a final decision on size of the stadium. Now, I think you have to go on the larger side. My guess is somewhere 13 to 15. Um, A lot of that plays into the fact that, you know, Balloon Fiesta can handle that type of uh, ingress. You know, they see tens of thousands of people daily during Balloon Fiesta. So it's entirely possible to, to, to house that. Um, I don't see it. I don't see it going below 12 11 at the lowest end but I, I really think it's somewhere around you know 13 to to, to 14 more than likely um i'd like to see 15 because you know if we've proven anything, we can get 15 you know so but i mean it, it'll be really interesting to see you know what the design is going to be that like they're really going to start digging into that. I know that we've talked about, you know, they'd already start doing, you know, some site testing and things like that um, to kind of prepare for it. And so it's something that's been in the works for a long time. Um, 
But I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the announcement's finally here. I don't think the city council will vote this one down. I mean, again, it's not anywhere that anyone has ever complained about. So, you know, it, it's it's an exciting. It was an exciting day to hear that. My only complaint is the you know balloon festival uh, balloon fiesta is looks to be the last two weeks ish of the season. Mm -hmm. Typically, is yeah. What happens if it's a playoff weekend? So if if the schedule changes with USL Championship to where you know that the playoff does get bumped up and earlier into October, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, so it, Saturday night, Pete did not rule out the possibility of somewhere down the line maybe doing like a midday match out there. You know, he, he talked about the idea of people coming out watching an Ascension staying for a soccer game and then you know seeing a glow at night now obviously there's going to be a lot of conversation that has to be had between right. balloon fiesta and you know the, the club and the club is more than willing to do anything whatever you know? yeah yeah i mean pete he flat out said you know we're open we're open for the discussion we'd love to do something like that at some point in the future but it's going to come down to the the board of balloon fiesta basically um and yeah, you know, I'm probably the city approval as well, but you know, yeah, we got to see how it is. You, yeah. you got to see how it is. Let's you know uh, for the here. But to me, that was the only kind of red flagish thing that kind of popped up was you, you hit, probably you're going to be playing your last two matches of the season on the road. Mm -hmm. Which if you know you know let's say you guys were six points further than what you are now. That makes it tough if, if you're having to play on the road as opposed to playing at home and or if, you, if you need points to be able to make the playoffs. So that, that was the only kind of yellowish flags. But, but no, I'm excited as somebody that's been to uh, New Mexico back-to-back -back years. Uh, for that here, we won't talk about how San Antonio's done in those games because uh, I don't <laughs> want to disappoint you guys. But uh, uh, for that here, so. But no, that's right here. So my, uh, I know we're a little bit over an hour here, and I know you guys like to keep it an hour. For you, at 13, what were you doing? <laughs> at 13, what was I doing? Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. 13, that would have been eighth grade, right? Eighth grade. Um, playing Magic. Playing Magic Gathering. That's what I was doing at 13. Um, I was doing that, Boy Scouts, and baseball. Baseball and basketball. So you weren't uh, appearing in, in a historical debut for uh, Sacramento Republic, uh, like uh, was it Devine uh, Kimbrough, uh, who is also yeah. uh, on the playing for the Mexican national te youth teams as well. Um, big discussion. Thirteen, too young. The, see, I wanted to ask you this this question myself, and I didn't mention it to you earlier, <laughs> but I, I did tweet about this from the ESPN Radio account. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the kid is – they see something in him to think he's talented enough to – Well, he's got the talent. This level. He's got the talent. Um, I just – to ma me he, – He's mature for 13. Mm -hmm. He has more facial hair than I do. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I saw this, and my, my initial thought was, okay, this is either Freddie Adu 2.0 or something positive is going to come out of this, but – at 13, I don't think you're physically and mentally ready 
to play with a bunch of adults. And so, I mean, while he, while the kid is talented, I just don't see it being a good physical atmosphere for him. Cause worst case scenario, this kid gets hurt and then we never see him again. And you don't want to do that. Now, is he better than the kids? He's clearly better than the kids his age. He's probably better than a lot of high school kids. But why risk this instead of putting him into your academy or let him play with your U23s? And even then, I think that's a stretch. But to put him in the first team, I just I think it's too soon. Here's where I'm going to push back on you. Okay. And I'm pushing back on most people on this. And, and I'm putting a lot of faith in Sacramento um, as an organization. Um, they've got a hell of a leader, uh, Rodrigo Lopez, uh, who was an elite um, youth player in Mexico. Or, or you know, uh, He's a Mexican-American. I don't know if he grew up in Mexico or through here. He's played in both countries. He's playing controlled minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like they're throwing him out starting minutes. He got what five minutes, I think it was, you know, against the lights and a 2-0 victory. He was fouled. But let me ask you this question here. And I know you guys have soccer in, in Albuquerque, you know, here in Texas. When you go out Sunday afternoon, you know, what you know, weekend soccer games, you can see talented kids. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I don't know their age, obviously. I'm not IDing them. But you can see kids playing with adults. And that's why, to me, I don't necessarily have a problem with that as long as it's in a controlled environment where they're, you know, it's mainly at home. It's in situations that aren't pressure built along those lines. Because to me, I don't see anything bad about rewarding him for the efforts and stuff. Because, you know, an organization like Sacramento, which I think we both would agree is kind of like Louisville, Tampa, one of those elites through here. Hell, they were supposed to have gone to MLS, you know, until an owner backed out for that here. So they're a a reputable thing. They've got a good academy. He's got the talent uh, for that here. So I have no problem doing that now where I think that they have to be careful. And we learned this from Freddie Adu is the media aspect of blowing him up too much. And that's where that's where we'll be kind of be interesting to see, you know, when he gets 14, 15 or, you know, 15, 16, because we, you know, we saw that with um, uh, Jose Gallegos. That was 16 when he first came onto the scene here in San Antonio. We're like, dude, he's young, um, but it was in control situations. And you know, I think it's a good story. Obviously, if you look at his body maturity, he's very mature. The only thing I dislike about it is it takes away his ability if if he wanted to play college soccer. And I know playing college soccer or, or any sport, right? Well, no, actually, I think it's just tied to soccer. If he wanted to go play college soccer, it takes away that opportunity. But obviously, with his skills, you know, when as soon as he reaches 18, most likely he's going abroad, uh, you know, over to Europe or, you know, wherever he's going for that here. But to me, like I said here, I, I think – in controlled situations with the leadership that they have both on the pitch and off the pitch in Sacramento, that I think it is a good environment for them now. That's putting a lot of pressure on Sacramento to make sure they're doing right by the kid and his family. 
My question, and I was looking for it, is I don't know if he did he sign a straight professional contract or was it an academy contract? Because if it was a if it was an academy contract, then he can still go collegiate. But Correct. if it's a if it's a straight professional contract, then I don't believe he can. Um, so I just don't know. I mean, and you mentioned the media coverage. Obviously, a big deal was made of this over the weekend. Um, and I, I think being thrust in that spotlight at such a young age, you know, does all does add pressure to it. It doesn't allow him to continue. Uh, it could hamper his development rather than keeping him, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, a little bit more behind the scenes. But I don't know. It, it's going to be really interesting to watch this kid over the next couple of years, see what happens. Um, you know, does he garner interest from overseas? You know, um, it says here, according to this is what KCRA uh, Daniel Mock uh, says here. Uh, let me get back over there here. Didn't had been a member of Sac Republic's Youth Academy, signed a contract club that makes him eligible. Uh, Federation will continue his development the club's academy. So yeah, it doesn't really say if it is academy contract, but professional. Let me go to Sac Republic site because that's a good question on if it's just an academy contract, then he still keeps all of his options open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could not find that in any of the articles I read about him, but and and I mean, you know, you you talk about you know while you're, while we're trying to look this up, you know, you talked about you know seeing kids play on the weekends, and you know I do I talked about you know a lot I, I referee I referee you know uh, youth soccer and mm-hmm. adult league soccer, and you know I saw a kid uh, three weeks ago, U uh, thirteen team, this mm-hmm. it, it was a, he was a goalkeeper. Uh, absolutely phenomenal goalkeeper, you know, great reflexes, uh, you know, obviously more physically mature than other kids that was, that was, that were on the pitch. But I mean, this is a kid I was tempted to call up, you know, uh, you know, David Estrada and be like, Hey, come <laughs> look at this kid, you know, cause he, he showed like just watching him, he was head and shoulders above every other keeper I ref that weekend. Like it, it was just that level, that big of a difference in between his skill level and, you know, some of the other, a lot, and every other ref, every other goalkeeper I saw that weekend. So, I mean, that's not to say that they're, that these kids can't train at a high level. That they can't, you know, train with older people. I mean, you look at even the, the United Academy, you know, those mm-hmm. guys train with the first team players um, because they are, they have been identified as some of the best in the state, but you're still looking at, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds and not, 13. So I don't know. Like I, I, I want the best for this kid. I hope that he is able to continue to develop. I hope Sacramento is able to, to, to develop him into a top tier talent because they've obviously identified him as someone that is, that is capable of playing at, at, at this level of play. So, you know, but you also, you don't want to see him hampered either. So it's, you know, finding that balance of how do you, how do you develop him and, you know, keep him out of the media spotlight to where, again, you don't have that Freddie do 2.0, you know? No, on the Sacramento site says his, his first professional contract uh, through here. Um, first, prof- yeah, so it's not an academy because usually they'll say academy contract. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, through the SAC website here, SAC Republic, they're saying that it is a professional uh, contract here. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, so there goes that, uh, more than likely, there goes that collegiate, you know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, he's the sixth re uh, Republic FCA to sign a professional contract. So mm -hmm. it's not an, it's not a, it's not a, an academy contract. Yeah. So, but good for him. Uh, like I said here, uh, you know, wish him nothing but success, uh, except against New Mexico United and San Antonio since uh, I'm on the New Mexico <laughs> podcast, but, uh, especially against San Antonio for me, yeah, obviously San Antonio or New Mexico for you, but it'll be an interesting story to kind of see how this, uh, plays out. Uh, along those lines here, you know, for him. Yeah, certainly will, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, two weeks to go left in the season. I mean, we're there and obviously we'll, we'll sit down and we'll talk some more, you know, we'll talk playoff soccer here uh, before too long. Oh, real quick, before we do, I won't, I do have one more question for you. Uh, did enter Miami handle Messi correctly? Yes. Yeah. I think they did. Okay. I, I was curious because, you know, you bring them in, they go, they go on the run that they did, you know, through, uh, through cut play. And then, you know, turns out he's got a hamstring injury done for the year, you know? So I was just curious, you know, what your thoughts on that were. I mean, obviously a Messi coming over it, the biggest name in my opinion to ever come to MLS. Yeah. It, it, to me, I have to watch my words uh, closely here. Um, my issue is more with MLS, and, and I guess you could kind of say maybe enter Miami, um, on disclosing that injury long enough because, like, what Chicago sold out, uh, mm -hmm. what sold Atlanta Field sold or out, whatever. yeah. Um, Atlanta, you, 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 I think you could have got away with that because they probably didn't know the extent of that time it was on turf which he always said, but when he came over, he wasn't fond on playing on turf. So I, you know, I could kind of see that, but um, for, for Miami, you know, outside of them jacking up prices next year, which I hate to say this, if they're able to pull it off, you're going to see this, it's going to impact soccer top to bottom mm -hmm. um, for that here. And, and especially that's, I didn't bring this up here, you know, with you guys, but when you guys get your new stadium, it'll be interesting the prices that, that we see it, at, at, you know, uh, for the stadium, depending on how much seats that come into play, but that'll be discussed way down the road. But yeah, the, the sticker price for, you know, for season tickets, if, you know, for their, the sticker price to see um, one-off games, um, you know, you know, Dallas has talked about, Hey, your season ticket package doesn't include the inner Miami matches. So I have more of an issue on that kind of aspect of it where, and I understand it from a business sense, but geez, um, through here, Miami's back in the playoff picture, which is something that you couldn't say beforehand. And more importantly, he's brought in more help than just him. Mm -hmm. So I think Miami could still possibly make it into the playoffs. Are they going to win it? no. Um, but I think, I think the, 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 I think for MLS, they gave the taste and they need to make sure he's healthy. 
Um, he didn't get hurt, is from my understanding, in MLS. It was hurt, you know, during Argentina national team duties uh, along those lines here. So I think that's a huge positive for MLS that, you know, the detractors can't say, you know, you know, because of the congested schedule in MLS, this is why, you know, he was hurt on, on a, you know, turf or something along those lines. But, yeah, next year, watch out, uh, you know, for, for that here. And, and it'll be interesting. I won't lie, you know. Austin, Houston, Dallas. Um, if I get the opportunity and, and if the pocketbooks uh, get get the uh, the ability, I wouldn't mind going and trying to see the goat. I, I wouldn't either. I mean, you know, we've already talked about the possibility of you know Jacob Earl and myself uh, making it to potentially Atlanta for a World Cup in 2026. So. I, I get it. You want to see the best in the world. Like you're going to, you're going to spend the but money to do so. You guys could just go up 25 to Denver and that is you know, tickets, tickets would, would be, you know, just to see, and this is just messy, you know, obviously going to the world <laughs> cup, you want to go see, but to me, you know, especially a place like Denver uh, in which is, you know, the Rapids are kind of my semi MLS team. Cause I grew up in Colorado. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know, It'd be awesome to see a sellout there, but yeah, it's it'll it'll be interesting for them. Yeah, definitely. The other question it brings up is I know because I know there's a lot of discussion about you know does uh, about how Inter Miami pulled all of this off. Does this help facilitate a change in USL <laughs> rot and not sorry not USL and does this help facilitate a change in MLS roster rules going forward? It has to. It has to. It just it does and. It's MLS. I have a love-hate relationship with MLS just because of what happened with Austin and San Antonio. Mm -hmm. But MLS needs to loosen the financial restrictions that they put on clubs. And take Atlanta United as an example. They're selling out, you know, at times – you know, uh, the stadium that was it Mercedes-Benz Stadium, I think is what it's called. Yep. Um, you know, 70-some thousand, you know, on, on some games. I think the average is, what, 20, 30,000, I think, is what they average uh, for their – Yeah, you know, but they're typically there. Obviously, Arthur Blank doesn't have an issue with paying uh, for things uh, as the Home Depot owner uh, for that. And I don't know if you bought wood recently, but uh, – it's not cheap, uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, finding my inner Earl here. Uh, it's expensive mm-hmm. uh, going, going to Home Depot or Lowe's. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it has to. They've, they've got – in order for MLS to take that next step, they have to. It's just like for USL, in order for USL to take that next step, USL has to try to get, get pro-rel. It, it has mm-hmm. to. It's it, That's how you can kind of filter out. It's how you can differentiate – if not, you know, you know, I've, I think you and I have kind of talked off record on this here, but if not, I think everything will fall in under an MLS uh, structure after the World Cup. But that's why I think for USL, they have to they have to try mm-hmm. um, whether it's successful or not. That's a whole separate discussion, but they, they've got to try to do something different. Yep, they sure do. So Atlanta United for 2023 is averaging 47 eight. Yeah, so almost 50,000. Yeah. And tickets yeah, aren't cheap either. 
the tickets aren't cheap from my understanding and then you you know talking about all the uh parking you know uh beverages there are what 15 bucks for a beer most likely uh i think it depends so i think there is like one i think there is one series of concessions that's like a uh it's like super cheap but then you do have the the higher end you know stuff but yeah it's like i took i took the four of us to one game to uh, austin fc and dallas so i took monica and an aj by the time we got tickets and decent seats you know with buying them a soda buying them you know popcorn or nachos whatever they got it was almost the price of our season t- you know i have three season tickets uh where i'm at it was almost at that same price mm-hmm. and that's just one game and that's to me that's one of the things when people talk about going to uh, mls it would be awesome to go MLS until you look at the pocketbook and see the prices of tickets uh, for MLS. And I think yeah. you'll find that a lot of us fans, you know, that, um, you know, we don't struggle, you know, but, you know, we're not, you know, living the high life either. You know, we're middle America, you know, we, we pay our bills, we put money away for savings and we go on vacations and treat the kids uh, probably nicer than what we should. But, you know it's you know we're, we're we're in a good position but dude mls tickets it's a whole different different ball game and that's why i don't go to national team games <laughs> oh i don't even well that's a whole different discussion because we get what 10 12 000 when if you would reduce them to a, a reasonable reasonable amount mm-hmm. you could sell out the stadiums but they don't do that but no yeah, that's a whole other thing. We can talk about that another time. But uh, that's off. That's off season. <laughs> that is definitely off season discussion. Can't wait to have that one. But uh, Harry, thank you so much for being here. Uh, one final topic uh, gotcha. for you here. Edge or uh, was it Adam? Whatever. Adam Copeland. M- yeah. Made his uh, entrance into AEW going against mm-hmm. Christian. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, for that, I saw the, the previews of that here. So, uh, I saw that. I, I saw the clip of uh, of his intro. I saw on YouTube. His, yeah. I saw his press conference afterwards. Um, he was asked specifically because I know a couple TikTokers made a big deal of him having his uh, his his entrance music, and uh, you know, it's like, well, he he, he explained it. You know, Alter. He, he's friends with the, like the lead singer of Alter Bridge the the band that does his theme song so he's like yeah it's it's you know i was gonna have it no matter what so yep. um interesting an interesting feud him and christian uh i did back did together. find it odd as well if you watch his little video it has rated r in there as well it so does, it doesn't yeah. say it but it does have some of the the things there were um piggyback but i do think you know the relationship between AEW and wwe uh, has gotten better. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. the rivals, but it has gotten better. Hopefully, for wrestling f- uh, fans and, and wrestlers, more importantly, um, if they do go back and forth, you know, because what's best for business for them, that life is a little bit easier for that here. Um, and I think you're going to start seeing talent bounce back and forth uh, just because storylines and there's so much talent out there that. You know, it's it's impossible to watch. 
Yeah, it, it really is. And then when you have guys that, you know, come back, made John Cena obviously made his return. The Rock's been back on WWE programming recently. So, you know, it's, and then, I mean, obviously WWE is going to milk Judgment Day, Bloodline, all that stuff for as much as they possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to see guys going, going back and forth, you know, like you never would have seen that back in the nineties. Um, you know, it was, a it was a huge deal back in the nineties and two early two thousands, you know, when, a, when yep. a superstar made that switch. So, um, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're learning from each other, you know, like give guys opportunities to go in and main event somewhere else, you know, on the other promotion when they don't have a storyline. Well, I, and I think, most people would agree WWE's got better because there's competition that's pushed them because they got yes. to where it was, it was laziness. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll just call it what it is. It was laziness. And, you know, part of it is Vince went and um, adapt to changing times uh, for that mm-hmm. year. And, uh, you know, he is no, well, he is no longer there. I think for the most part, maybe in name only, but from my mm-hmm. understanding with the, with the merger, um, his role is very minimal. Now we'll see if that stays, but no, wanted to get a little wrestling in there. Cause <laughs> I did think edge going over to there was uh, as a wrestling fan, kind of interesting. And, and I thought it was interesting that he's going against Christian as opposed yeah. to coming up. Cause I would have expected that they would have teamed them together. Kind of like the Hardy boys. Yeah. But I do like that. They flipped it and went, uh, you know, went, went kind of the opposite direction on that. Yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Edge, one of the one of the premier names in wrestling over the past, you know, two decades. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it'd be, it'd be good to see him, you know, get over there. I think he, I think this will be his first opportunity to work with Sting as well. Um, I could be wrong. I yeah. don't think he's worked with Sting before. So, at least not re- not since he's made it. Yeah, because yeah, Sting's so. never. Well, he's had a couple of t- a couple of appearances in. WWE, but nothing really in, in a major role like he has with AEW. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting. But it is getting late. We're uh, for that here, so <laughs> I have to be up early. Yeah. Go, go Broncos! Although you know we gave up seventy, and then we made a uh, uh, Fields look like a competent quarterback. So it might be a long <laughs> year for my Broncos. Yeah, I, I saw I saw the win the other day, and I, I I put out a tweet, you know, asked how Broncos country was doing, you know, finally, you know, get the first win of the season. But I I don't know what's going on up there. I, I really don't know. But I I can tell you, Vance Jackson. Okay. He is the defensive coordinator. He shouldn't be the defensive coordinator, but uh, but as I had one of my other Bronco fans say, hey, let's suck it for this year. Um, we can make Russell Wilson you know, draft one of the elite quarterbacks in this upcoming draft, get a quarterback for the future. Russell can start next year. And then at 20 in 2025, it's much cheaper to cut him. So yeah. for the Broncos, they can have a year where it's a transition. So you can draft a you know, young quarterback, let him sit, develop a little bit towards midseason season, put in the young quarterback and then, go from there but who's your team falcons or falcons yep so you guys need a quarterback well yeah i mean uh, we've needed one since before matt ryan left so i heard i don't think you'll like it but i thought it was interesting listening to one of the morning shows nationally 
Uh, Kirk Cousins to the Falcons. Would that be interesting? I wouldn't. For you? I wouldn't hate it. I, I don't hate it. I mean, I think Cousins is is highly underrated. Um, yes. Uh, it'll but be it, interesting to see what how he would do. It would take a new contract, and you know, along those lines. But uh, I thought that was an interesting point because that division is winnable. Uh, mm-hmm. If we're if we're honest. Oh, it's it's very winnable. Um, and you know, with uh, Bijan Robinson, the running back, I think you guys still got some pretty good wide receivers. Mm-hmm. If you guys had a above average quarterback, I think you guys <laughs> could make could, could make could make the playoffs. Um, but I don't think anybody's getting by the Niners, or and I hate to say it, the Cowboys look kind of decent. Although I'm not a believer in Dak yet either. So I, I I've never been a believer in Dak. I think I still think Philly is the team to beat in the East, but. Uh, I mean, San Francisco, San Francisco. I mean, I'm saying in the East, out of the West, I think it's obviously San Francisco. But, oh, but yeah, yeah. In, in the East, I don't, I don't think it's Dallas. I think it's Philly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the South is a winnable. You look at the quarterbacks in the South. You know, Baker Mayfield at Tampa. At Tampa, you've got whoever's uh, Jameis Winston. I think it is in uh, New Orleans now. Since because uh, Carr got hurt. Yeah, because Carr got hurt. Yeah, and then I don't even know who Carolina has at this point. But yeah, no, the, the South uh, is very winnable. Drafted. Uh, who was the one? The guy they drafted number one, Rice. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The Alabama quarterback, uh, uh, Bryce Young. Bri- yeah, Bryce Young. Yeah. Who and then, of course they, all, they also have the and... Red Rocket over there too. So yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, all the QBs yeah. are in the West, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers, who uh, lasted four plays. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, South is winnable. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think we've got this year and maybe next year as the Falcons window opportunity before the rest of the division you know gets back on track. But I don't know. We'll see. All right, check it later, my friend. All right, Harry. Thank you so much for being here, folks. If you don't follow Harry, please go follow Harry. Uh, Reddit, you uh, Reddit, Twitter at Ram and Call. You can mm-hmm. find them there. Also, find SATX Soccer, Texas Spring of Fire. Harry, is there anywhere else that people can find you or the content that you put out? That is enough. I'll typically do uh, protagonist soccer kind of games of the week. I'll highlight usually two USL matches and uh, UPSL here in San Antonio or San Antonio Central Texas area. I try to pick a match since it's in season there to try to support local soccer um, for that here. And I think. I think New Mexico's got a couple of teams actually in UPSL. Mm-hmm. If you've got kind of a hankling to go see a local team that's not New Mexico United, uh, generally speaking, they're fun environments. And I know uh, Ron Patel comes from that kind of background uh, for that here. So much respect to, to Ron here. I got to meet him in person. Uh, but I was a little, uh, I forgot to, Hey, can I get a picture? And, uh, that was my bad on that. Uh, but it was awesome to meet him in person. And, and like I said here, uh, nothing but love for, for the New Mexico ownership and, and front offices. They've always been kind to, to me and, and my family when, when I made the trips over to there with Peter and, and Ron and stuff like that. And you guys as well, uh, back in the day, I saw Earl the year before I saw you and Jacob, but. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of these years we can get all three of us or all four of us, I guess I should say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so you did mention UPSL. Obviously, New Mexico United Academy plays in UPSL. Um, UDA soccer is in there as well. Um, so two New Mexico clubs there. Rumor has it 
There's a club coming to Santa Fe as well. Whether or not it's going to be UPSL or not, I don't know. But rumor has it there's going to be a new club up in Santa Fe. So we'll see what happens with that. So, uh, Harry, appreciate you as always. Uh, always great conversation. Always love having you either in the chat or on the show. Uh, so, uh, yeah, can't wait to see what happens. We'll talk again here soon. Talk some playoff soccer. And uh, hopefully – Hopefully both of our teams are in the playoffs. If not, we will certainly be, at least I will be anyway. I'll be rooting for San Antonio. You know, they were my preseason favorite. So, uh, so for everyone listening, for Jacob, for Earl, for Harry, we do appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, Somos Unidos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL, and the New Mexico Runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.